With so many books flooding the marketplace now, you need to know why your book is different and ensure that your readers do too. And we'll jump into it right after this. Tune in to Go Book Yourself, powered by Helix Interactive, with your book coach and publishing expert, Hilary Jastrom. People who know me say I am a diehard word nerd, and this is true. And maybe insisting on full clarity when it comes to your book makes me that way, but I'm not going to apologize here. You need to know why in the world are people going to remember your book? Why is that important? It sounds like it's important, doesn't it? But you got to wait one more minute while I give thanks to our uber cool sponsor. And then I promise we'll get into it. Once upon a time, Bookmark Publishing House was born from our parent company, J. Hill Creative. Authors went on to enjoy accolades, improvement in their writing, bestseller dumb, and the kingdom was happy. If you want to join the ranks of our 100 plus esteemed authors and are ready to put words to paper or crack your book idea wide open, Head to jhillcreative.com. That's jhill with one L creative.com. Send me an email and let's get started. Now to address the question of the day, 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 day. Why the heck does it matter that your book is different? That people can say, oh, that's Sarah's book. She wrote about X. Boom, you're done. That's it. It's not Sarah's book. She kind of wrote about, and I think she sort of, and she maybe touched a little bit on this, I guess. Well, in getting ready to bring this episode to you, I did a little research with estimates between 600,000 to 100 million new books released each year. You need to do what's called cutting through the clutter. This is a phrase resuscitated from my marketing classes days. Back then, we referenced it when we talked about products. Cut through the clutter so people can see you. There's a lot of people fighting for attention out there. I liken it to reporters shoving microphones in people's faces and they're trying to get that story. They're shoving that microphone in there. Come on, can you tell me why this happened? Blah, 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 blah. The reporter who is loudest, the reporter who is striving forward, the reporter with the best questions, they're going to get the attention. They're going to get the story. So when it comes to your story, it's vital to be known and remembered well. We can apply this to our books today. Our book is a product. Why wouldn't we apply it? And I know it might break your little author heart to hear that, but your book is a product. It has to be viewed that way. It has to be positioned that way. That includes a question, why is my book different? If it's going to be remembered. When we remember something, we return to it. We recommend it to other people. It's at the, they call that top of mind, and we want your book to be top of mind. Oh, he or she's an expert in the field. If you're not clever, clearly structured, deliberate with your messaging and cutting edge, you will be swept out to sea along with the other floatsam and jetsam books that no one can recall. But your grandma, because there, we're going to talk about her again. God love your grandma. 
Thanks for always being there supporting. But how do we get memorable? Just seems like a big question, a big open-ended question. It's actually pretty simple. We approach differentiating our book like product. It is one. Your job as an author is to be the mama or daddy of your book. You get to think about it and love on it. You get to pour over the cover. Isn't it so cute? Isn't it sweet? Isn't it wonderful? I love this color. Oh, the title, it just gives me shivers. It's wonderful. You get to love on it like your baby. I get to look at it and say, sure, that's a cute baby. Because all babies are cute. We all know that. Baby anything, right? Even like a little baby centipede, I'm like, oh, you're so cute right now because you're not threatening and you don't give me the heebie-jeebies. My job is to say, is that baby effective? Is that baby going to win the Gerber baby contest? Is that baby, that baby's names, that baby's name going to be on everybody's lips? We got to get that baby memorable. That's why you need someone with perspective who has more than a love of books. Someone who understands why your book needs to perform, how it should perform, and who is a guide for you in being honest about the decisions that you're making as it pertains to your book and the positioning. There are all kinds of different ways to approach extracting genius from yourself. We need to get into these areas of your mind because genius isn't born very quickly. It's kind of like a delayed birth. And the same goes for memorability. Unless you have something that just like hits the market, it's shocking, but that's not usually the case. There's so much work behind it. The presentation is like, wow, bam, that was amazing. Sure, and it took 40 hours to get there because we had to sort out the sludge. We had to say, yeah, I, I like that, but it is just, it's too long. Or I like that, but it, it doesn't say really what I'm trying to say. It's close, but it's not there. That's the work that you don't see in successful brands. That's the work that is behind the scenes. So there's all different kinds of ways to start and say, I have all these ideas in the world. How am I going to funnel them through until I get to the genius? You can mind map. I worked with an author who did mind mapping. Mind mapping is kind of looks like an org chart, but it is not as structured. It's a little more loosey-goosey. You might have a main topic in the middle and then you'll have some spokes springing off that into other subtopics that make sense. It's a visual representation of your thoughts. It's a visual representation of the written. So that is one way to do it. Mind mapping usually has a bunch of ovals or circles and arrows pointing to different ways. Like here's the main plot of my book. And then over here is a subplot, and this is a subplot. And then I've got the subplot is circled, and 
spoking off of that, it moves into the applicable characters and their subplots and how they intertwine together and things of that nature. It's really more fiction oriented. Doesn't have to be. It can also be nonfiction oriented because so many times these days we're seeing nonfiction books that are resembling fiction books with that emphasis on storytelling. So it is applicable to nonfiction books as well. You knew written brainstorming. I love brainstorming. This is where I live and breathe. And I'm very segmented in my brainstorming. So we're trying to get across these three things in the title. Great. Then I'm going to brainstorm the hell out of these three things. And I might put them into columns. I might say, I like these words here. I like these words here. I like these words here. My best friend is the thesaurus, but it's not the, the, the <laughs> every time, unique New York, every time, you guys, it is not the, the thesaurus because, go ahead and laugh with me, I'm not sensitive, because I'm going to use every single word that I come across, I'm not going to say, oh, well, that's a an appropriate word, I want to do that, or I'm just looking to change everything up, then you're going to have a very stilted sounding book. It's it's not, you're not going to use the words that are most applicable for the messaging that you're trying to get across. So choosing synonyms, man, that's just as bad as thesaurus, isn't it? Man, who did that? <laughs> In any regard, and moving on, it's not going to read as authentic and genuine because you'll be trying to force the content. So when you're brainstorming, yes, go ahead and use the thesaurus. Use those synonyms. That's fine, but make sure that as you go through and you're making those selections that it makes sense. There's verbal brainstorming. So some people really enjoy going for a run. And then they record their thoughts. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about that. I've done kind of a variation of that with my phone because I have the notes application on my phone. So if I have something spring up and I'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. I want to remember that epiphany or this is a great idea. I'm going to capitalize on it later. I can't do it now, but I'm just going to jot it down super quick. Back in the day, I would have a notebook and a pen in my purse at all times. So you can do that. You can do verbal brainstorming. Get into the reader's head, too. The reader avatar, what are their problems? How am I going to help them solve their problems? It always comes back to the reader, doesn't it? Always, every time. Ask yourself what is needed in the market. There's all kinds of different things that are coming out, new technologies, voice technologies, different ways of doing things, applications. What should I pay attention to? If you've paid attention, and I had to learn this from working with multiple high-producing entrepreneurs, they are successful because they do pay attention. Well, this is trending. Now it's trending now. So if I'm looking at a trend, I'm seeing how can I improve on it? Great. Do you know how effective that is? You already have a built-in audience who's saying, yes, we recognize 
this particular thing, whatever it happens to be, you know, look in, look at the case of emails, for example. Emails were everything. The money's in the list. Let's do it. And that spawned AI. It spawned chatbots. It spawned various automated messaging. It spawned text campaigns. So somebody looked at the emails, multiple people likely, and said, hey, this is a great idea. Let's capitalize on some of these other medias. And that's what they did. You can do the same thing. This has always been in existence. I created this thing. Now it's unique. Even though it's been around a while. Well, it's great it's been around a while because a need has been demonstrated. You can feel the need and then revamp it, re-innovate it. Think about that when you are thinking about your book, when you're thinking about topics for your book, when you're looking at existing subject matter for your book. When I was taking advertising classes, they had me read a book, and gosh dang it, I can't remember which one it is. It might be something like, hey, Whipple, sell this or read this or whatever. In one of the chapters, it said, take your product, take your messaging, roll it down a hill, set it on fire, flip it inside out, look inside in different ways. So that's how I want you to think about your book too. Really take the time to do it. So many people are like, I'm gonna rush through my book, I'm gonna get this out there. This seems to be the trend, so I'm gonna go ahead and, and make sure I can leverage it. But that's not what it is. Take a minute, walk away from it when you're forced not to think about it. And so then your brain turns into beta mode. This is the latest thing we're reading about, beta mode. Let your brain solve the problem for you while you are not forcing yourself to do so. It's kind of like um, you will be more effective in the exams that you take if you go to bed and sleep. Yes, make sure you study beforehand, but not it's not cramming all night. Go to bed and sleep so that your brain has a chance to rest and to work in beta. Moving on. I want to make sure that you understand when we talk about book differentiation, I'm not talking about that your book is different because you wrote it. That is more of an internal journey that you're on. I wrote it. These are my stories. This is my retelling of the stories. When you define the difference, think about the reader. Why is the book different to them? My book is different to the reader because I am introducing a revolutionary concept to get their lives organized that the world has never heard of before. Why is it different to the reader? Yes, inherent in the book that you write will be the difference. The reader does not care, man. They do not. They do not care. They want to know for me. Answer it for me. You wrote it for me. I'll support you. I'll love you. I'll love on your words. I'll eat everything up. You get the accolades. But don't forget, you wrote it for me. Here's some examples of differentiation. You will see through the titles 
that the differentiation and the segmentation flows through these titles. When you hear them, you know immediately why these books are different. The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. There is no question what this man is talking about. There is no question at all. And before we go further, I do want to say, your title can be a little obscure as long as it is accompanied by a subtitle that punches home the truth of what you're writing about. So we've seen that. We've seen Lean In, for example. I believe that's by Sheryl Sandberg. I'm not sure what the subtitle is, but that would need to be defined. What does that mean? As long as you're explaining that, you're fine. Another example is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. My husband would be so proud of me right now. I think we're going on like three years. He's like, you really got to read that book. I read that book years ago and it changed my life. And I was like, okay. Now it's become a thing where I'm holding out to see how long it's going to be before I read that book. (laughs) Married people nodding their heads. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I'm in that. I'm in that zone, man. We know what that means, how to win friends and influence people. We know exactly what that means. There's no question about it. We're not like, you know what, Dale, I have a question. What do you mean by that? I'm going to, how do I do what? What do you want me to do? We don't have those questions. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. We know what that means. We're going to think about different ways that we can become more prosperous. And then that money is going to flow and wind up in our pocket. We know exactly what that means. Never split the difference. Here's an example of a title that's a little bit obscure. Never split the difference. What does that mean? Well, Chris Voss explains it. Negotiating as if your life depends on it. Oh, okay. This is a book about negotiation. And negotiating in any area of your life. It's not negotiating in business or anything else. It's negotiating as if your life depends on it. The One Minute Manager by Dr. Kenneth Blanchard and Dr. Spencer Johnson. The One Minute Manager. Interesting. What's that going to be about? I'm going to learn how to manage in one minute. Perfect. Love it. That is what I want you to strive for when you're writing your book. Your book title and subtitle are a part of the differentiation. You will obviously go deeper. You will explore different concepts and different approaches in your book that are novel. If they are not novel, you're gonna put your own spin on them. Like we talked about, it's existing, but this is how I think of it. This is why it benefits me, and so therefore it is going to benefit you. When I was self-publishing my novel, Killing Carl, available on Amazon 2Ks. (laughs) Hey, it's my show. I can pitch all I want, right? Which I'm not going to do because I've advised against that and I'm not going to do what I advise against. I flew to Hawaii. It was crazy. All of a sudden, I just had this crazy idea. I'm going to do this. I flew to Hawaii because 
it was the Writer's Digest, and they were having this seminar that they were putting on in this hotel. All the major publishers and literary agents were there. I'm talking Simon & Schuster, HarperCollins, Random House. Everybody was there. Major literary agents. If you've done any research in this field, then you know to get published with a traditional publisher, you generally need a literary agent. Their job is to you pitch them. They say, oh, it's great. I want to take your book. And then they sell you to a publisher and they broker that deal and they get a cut of that. So all of these people were there. Some publishers, I could pitch myself because they allowed that. Other publishers were like, nope, I only want to hear from literary agents and I just want you to have information about the company. Great. I don't care. That's fine. I just am here to soak up information. I had written down who these literary agents were going to be, what genres they represented, and I was going to show up at this seminar. So I traveled from Minnesota to Hawaii for three days. I got outside exactly twice. Once to go buy a killer pair of sunglasses and (laughs) have some sushi. The second time was to have dinner overlooking the ocean. This restaurant opened up onto the actual beach and we were there and I hadn't done anything. So I ran out in the middle of dinner. I put my feet in the ocean. Then I came back to the table. Well, first you have to wash your feet off. So I was there washing my feet off and then I ran back to the table. I wasn't going to let that pass me by after three days of being in this hotel. It was crazy. Also, I had pineapple that will change your life, and there really is a difference. You can't go back after you've had Hawaiian pineapple. I had my book set so that you knew instantly what it was about. My book was told from the point of view of a serial killer's wife. At the time... This is before investigation discovery and everybody's talking to the families and how didn't you know? My mind was percolating with why are we not hearing from these wives? Probably because they're going underground and they're changing their identities. I can understand that. Totally fine. So they're not persecuted for the rest of their lives. But I wanted the story. So I wrote one. It was very easy to let people know this is what it's about, is the point of view of the serial killer's wife. When she finds out, what should she do? Is she in danger? What's at stake? Very easy to get that storyline down. But I had to work to get there. It wasn't like, I'm going to write a story about this and that's the way it is. So I had to work to get there. And because I highly differentiated it, I was able to quickly pitch a literary agent and land a literary agent. And I also met my editor, who I worked with for the next year. We shelled out some major cash for that, but it also is one of the reasons why I'm able to help people is because I went through the process myself. Because I paid for the knowledge. Back in the day, I paid $5,000. For that knowledge. This is how we tell a story. This is how we don't tell a story. This is how the dialogue is written. This is how it's not written. This is what setting the scene means. This is the hyperbole that we cut out the varies, the reallys, the just. 
All of that paid for, brought to you by Writer's Digest Conference 2000. What in the hell year was that? Who knows? Anyways, brought to you. You can do the same thing. Dial it down, dial it in. This is what my book is about. There's no question. I've made an improvement on this existing thing. Here it is. When you are meandering and skirting around the issue, you are not done yet. So think about the elevator speech, the dreaded elevator speech that everybody's college professor had them write or high school English teacher had them write and said, this is going to be the template. Hi, my name is so-and-so. My book title is this. It is about this. This is about filling in the blanks very succinctly, very easily, so people know exactly what you're talking about. If you're meandering around the issue, you're taking more than a minute. That's maximum, really. Time yourself, too. Are you spitting it out, barely getting it out? Are you stretching it out? You're not done yet. You're not done yet. Global campaigns that sweep our world don't start out with the massive targeting that they do. The slogans that we all know so well, just do it. That goes on for decades and decades and decades. Got milk. Where's the beef? I'm dating myself so hard right now. <laughs> so incredibly hard. They didn't start out this way. They started out with meetings. They started out with creative briefs. They started out with information about the product. This is how we approach your book. What's it about? This is also why I insist that we spend time on your outline. We are in a period of discovery. Many times in that discovery, we are going to find out why you are different. We are going to find your successful angle. So when you start advertising, when you start putting that book out there, then people go, oh, wow, that is so clever. I need it. I want it. It's going to help me change my life. I'm going to end this with you on a super fun fact. When I was writing for a national hotel, hotel chain from 2015 to 2018, oh man, was that ever fun. First of all, I just had a blast. Bunch of emails. I did a bunch of, uh, I even did a billboard one time. Um, I wrote two contests and a bunch of copy that was just dripping with description. I just had a blast. But I would look for inf inspiration. I would sit down and I would say, okay, I'm going to look for inspiration. I want some very telling and descriptive words. How am I going to get there? Because I might wake up and just feel empty. I might wake up and say, where am I going to find that kick in the butt that my brain needs to explore a different topic in a different way. I was shooting for memorability. I was shooting for this client and this brand to be on the lips of their readers, of the people who were staying in the hotel, the guests. I wanted them to be, oh, you're the fun brand. Oh, you're this brand. Oh, this is who you are. This is what makes you different. This is why I want to try you because 
if the content that you're providing is anything like the experience I can expect to get, I want to do it. So to find that inspiration, obviously I made a big giant cup of coffee, <laughs> some brain juice. We all need it. And then I researched Clio award winning ads. Clio, C-L-I-O, Clio award winning ads. You'll see um, probably like the uh, Budweiser, Clydesdales. There is a one of the one of the commercials I researched, I believe, was about herding cats. The other thing you can do is research Super Bowl ads. Some of them have gotten like just lame in the past couple of years, but if you sort through them, you'll be able to find some motivation to kick your brain in gear a little bit more, lube it up. So that's what I would do is I would just sit there and it filled my brain with inspiration. Sometimes I would go to the thesaurus, as we talked about, I look up those synonyms. We can't remember everything. And the key is that balance of, does this word match with this style, this tone, this voice? So it's a really fun thing to look up Clio Award winning ads. It will fill your mind with different potentials, perspectives, ways to resolve what your challenge is in the moment. And I think it's important to interact with your content and what you're giving people in a different way. I think that's really critically important, actually. I also think it's critically important that you rest. So many people that complete books and that work with me are type A, and I get it. I call myself a relaxed type A because there are some times when I'm like, listen, dude, you're done for the day. No, you're done. You're not doing anything right now that requires you to think about books or writing books or editing them or any of that. You're shifting your mind because you're going to come back fresher. You're going to come back and you'll be able to see things more clearly. Obviously, that stands for differentiation. That's our word of the day. D is for differentiation. And that's what we'll end on. That and the Clio award-winning ads. Check it out. Tell me what you think. I think you're going to love it. You can find your own inspiration in this. And remember, mastering genius includes knowing when to stop. That's my time. I've always wanted to say that. I've always pictured myself up there in the amateur comedy hour just saying that that's my time. I want to thank you so much for listening today. Now, isn't it time to go book yourself? You know what to do. Until next time, authors. Right on.